Good morning. Welcome to uh, week four of our series, All In. And uh, it's been an incredible series so far. Let me first of all begin by saying this. If you live in the city of LaGrange, in two weeks we are launching our LaGrange campus. Let's all get excited about that. We cannot wait uh, for you to come and join us. So if you live in Troop County, I encourage you to join us on Sunday, September the 7th at 9.30 a.m. at the LaGrange 10 Theater. It's going to be awesome. We've been in this series called All In for the last couple of weeks, and it's been a really, really good series so far. In fact, I want to see how excited you are and how all in you already are. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, I am all in. Okay, say that real quickly. Oh, that's good, man. I heard our students over here. They are like so all in, man. Let's give them a round of applause. That's great. I tell you what, uh, it's exciting because during this series, God's really been stretching us. And if you don't understand what we're doing, every year, once a year, we take an opportunity, usually one month out of the year, and we talk about the vision of our church. And the vision of our church is built on four things, gospel, grace, growth, and generosity. And uh, we take a different angle at it every year, but basically this is what we call our vision series. And so if you're here, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen to all of the messages from the All In series. It's, It's just incredible. So today we're on one of the G's that I think is one of the most important to our church and one that I think is most important sometimes to God, other than the gospel, is to talk about the G of generosity. Okay, so look at your neighbor real quick and say, oh my gosh, he's going to talk about money. (laughs) No, I'm not going to talk about money. I'm going to talk about generosity, okay? So I had to say that because honestly, today, if I stood up and said, today I'm going to talk about homosexual marriage, some of you'd go, that's much better than money. And if I was to sit here and say, today I'm going to talk about the issue of racism in America, you'd be like, Oh, man, I'm so glad he's not talking about money. Anything but money. Okay, so we're in this series called All In. Last week, I appreciate Jake Dukes. He's our Life Groups pastor. He came and gave an incredible message on the G of growth. And so if you weren't here, I want to recap real quick. First of all, when I am going all in, I am depending on Jesus to grow. That's what it means to go all in in growth. He says, as we abide in Christ... We will grow. We will become more like Christ because we are depending on him. Number two, when I depend on his word and I depend on his love, growth will occur. The idea that that I have to do all this myself and I have to keep trying harder, that's really not the issue. Jesus said, if you abide in my word and you abide in my love, that means you discover and keep uncovering the love of God deeper and deeper in your life, you're going to grow as a believer in Christ. And then the third thing that he said that I think is so important, pruning prepares us for greater growth. That when we go through a season of pruning where we have to cut away things in our life and anything that keeps us from being fully attached to the vine will keep us from growing in our faith. And so last week we talked about that. But today we're going to talk about what does it mean to go all in in the area of generosity. And I want to begin by making this statement to you. Isn't it ironic that the very thing that has in God we trust on it is the thing that we struggle to trust God with the most. I mean, really, if you pulled out your wallet today 
And you pulled out a dollar bill and you were to look at that dollar that says, we as part of the United States of America, and then you see all those things and it says, in God we trust. And yet when it comes to the issue of money and generosity, we struggle in that area. You know, Jesus talked more about money in Scripture than he talked about heaven and hell combined. In fact, we know from Scripture, Jesus talked more about money than he did anything else except for the kingdom of God. Eleven of the 39 parables that Jesus spoke of in Scripture had to do with money. One out of every seven verses in the book of Luke has to do with money. So before you say, man, these preachers, they want our money. No, that's not what we want today. And that's not what Jesus wants today. Jesus doesn't need your money. Jesus wants your heart. And if he has your heart, then your life from a generous perspective will be different. So today we talk about this idea of generosity. We're going to look at a place in Scripture that I think all of us need to see. So if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Turn over there real quick. And as you're turning over there, I want to ask you a very important question. What is your price? You say, what? What is your price? You see, all of us in this room, we have a price. If there's something in life that's important to us, there's a price we're willing to pay for it. For instance, if you love fitness, if you love taking care of your body, there's a price you're willing to pay to get up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym and run on the treadmill, which I call the dreadmill, okay? And get on that thing and try to push out some miles because, you know, at the end of the day, you want to look good in the bathing suit, amen? And you look at that and you say, I'm willing to pay this price no matter what. Some of us, it's the idea of our career. We look at our job. We look at our family. We look at the things that we think are important in our career, and we say, you know what? I'm willing to work seven extra hours, 10 extra hours. I'm willing to do 14 more reports because I want my company or I want my career to be successful. Well, can I tell you that when it comes to generosity, we do the same thing? We have a price. I will be generous up to this point. In fact, I kind of have a threshold. But don't push me past that threshold. Because if you do, I get real uncomfortable. And the truth is, God wants to push us way past the threshold. In fact, God wants to blow up our threshold. So if you have your Bible, look at Luke, or excuse me, Mark chapter 10 real quick. Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Verse 20, teacher, he declared, All these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. I want you to underline that in your Bible real quick. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he asked, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So when we read this story, we find out three quick things about the guy in the story. Number one, the Bible says he was rich. I mean, he had a lot of stuff. He had everything he could probably want in life. He had a lot of bling upon bling upon bling, okay? Number two, the Bible says he was young. He had his youthfulness about him. Now, it's cool to be rich, but it's even cooler to be rich and young. Because then if you're rich and you're young, you can be a hipster, right? And that's kind of how this guy was. He was a hipster. He was rich and he was young, but not only that, the Bible says he was powerful. He was a rich, young ruler. That means he had influence, That means when people looked at him, they were like, I want to follow that guy. I mean, he would have probably been listed in Forbes or he would have been in Newsweek. People would have saw him as the who's who among guys who ride camels, all right? I mean, that's him. And so in the story, we see this guy and he's rich and he's young and powerful and he comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus a very telling question. He said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Very interesting question. If you have a pen today, I wanted you to write down a few things because we talk about the idea of what it means to go in in the area of generosity. This is the first thing we need to understand. Religion will not make you go all in. He came to Jesus and he asked Jesus the wrong question. Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't there some sort of code that I can like pull off Jesus like A plus B plus C equals salvation? <laughs> or if I do these four things right or if I do enough good, if, if I work at it hard enough, can I go to heaven? I mean, I meet people all the time that ask that question. How good is good enough to go to heaven? So he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The problem is Jesus saw right through his question and he saw his lostness. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? This guy came to Jesus looking for what he could do to earn his way to heaven. Like, that's what religion says, right? If I do enough things, if I say enough things, if I act right enough, I can be moral enough. And if I'm really good enough at being moral, then when I get to the gates of heaven, God's going to look at me and say, hey, come on in, man. You look pretty shiny. But the Bible says that's not true. It says, for all of sin and all for short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that we miss the mark. You see, if your life and my life were like a dartboard today and you were to look at the very center of that dartboard, you would see this little area called a bullseye. And this verse gives us the idea that our lives are thrown at that dartboard and even though we have the best attempt to throw and hit the center, we miss the mark every single time. And that's what Jesus said to this guy. He said, listen, you can try to inherit eternal life, but religion won't make you go all in. Spiritualism won't make you go all in. Moralism won't help you get there. He missed the bullseye. What's crazy is he came looking for something that he couldn't find anywhere else. But not only 
Will religion not make us go all in? But I want you to understand today, resources will confuse our ability to go all in. Because the Bible says when he came to Jesus, Jesus knew exactly how rich and how young and how powerful he was. And I have to think that in Jesus' mind, in the back of his mind, he went, this is going to be difficult because this guy has so much trust in himself It's going to be really hard for him to let all this go. You know what resources do in our life? They confuse our ability to go all in many times. Because what happens is instead of having things, things have us. And God doesn't want us to live our lives that way. I mean, God's okay with the fact that he was rich and he was young and he was powerful. The problem is all those things had him. He didn't have those things. You see the difference? Resources will confuse our ability to go all in. You see, our greatest asset becomes our greatest liability if we don't use it for God's purposes. So he came to Jesus with all this stuff, and he was miserable because he had acquired a lot of things, but he could let go of nothing. In business, we would say he had too much overhead. He couldn't liquidate. He couldn't let go. And that's what resources do sometimes. When we've been blessed with so many things, they confuse our ability to fully go all in. And the truth is that the more God blesses us, the more God blesses you and I, the harder it is to keep those things from becoming idols in our lives. Jesus understood this. You know, I think Paul understood this too. The Apostle Paul at one point in Scripture, he looked over at Timothy The guy he was discipling, and he said, hey, Timothy, I want you to hear these words. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he said this in in regards to the idea of generosity. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous. And willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, if you're like I was, the first time I read this scripture, I went, man, that's good because he's talking about rich people there. I mean, he's talking about Bill Gates. Like, he just totally called him out. He's talking about like the guy that's in the top three of the Forbes magazine with like $4 billion. Hey, you rich guy. It made me ask a really hard question this week about myself. You know what that question was? Am I rich? So I did a little study. The average income in America is $39,000 which equals out to about $105 a day. This represents 4.5% of the world's population when it comes to income. 40% of the world's population, equaling 2.6 billion people, live on less than $2 a day. 15% of the world's population, 1 billion people, live on less than $1 a day. So here's reality. If you made $12,000 last year, you're in the top 10% of the richest people in the world. Look at your spouse and say, we're rich. 
I mean, you're just not rich. You're honking rich. We're honking rich. I love that word. If you made $70,000 last year, you're in the top 1% of the richest people in the world. You say, wow. What's even more startling is this. The average household income in Coweta County is $69,000. We're rich. Man, we're rich. I mean, I, I didn't meet anyone today who came to church at Southcrest and said, my goal was to find clean water. I didn't meet anyone who came in today that said, listen, is it okay if I come barefooted because I don't have shoes? We are rich. I mean, I walked in my closet today and I had the most difficult of choice. What color shoe am I going to wear today? There's brown and there's black. Right, men? That's about as good as it gets for us. We're rich. Have you ever considered maybe we're really blessed to be a blessing? Because, see, resources will confuse our ability to go in. It's not about how much we have. It's about what we do with what we have. With our time, our talent, and our treasure. Jesus knew that. This guy had so much he could have given. And the Bible says he walked away and his face fell. I mean, real quickly, where you're sitting, just let your face fall. Just, all right? Some of you, your face didn't change. (laughs) You've been that way since I said the M word. Money. Golly. Resources will confuse our ability to go all in. Number three, generosity is not a financial matter. It's a lordship issue not a financial matter. You see, when you give obediently, you experience amazing freedom in your life financially. Why? Because I may have things, but things don't have me. And that's what Jesus wanted most for this guy. He wanted this guy to be free. He wanted him to come to the place of surrender. I mean, we, we get giving so backwards. Remember the question, what's your price? We come to, the, we come to generosity and giving kind of like this. How much do I have to give? Come on. Oh, man. That says a lot about our hearts. You see, the manner in which we give is way more important than the amount we give. Generosity is not about how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. It's about putting God first in your life So much so that you trust him to supply what you need. I continue to give myself away. I continue to give myself away because God is able to make it supply. Jesus looked at him. He said, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. So I thought about that the other day. Matthew 25 tells a story. It's a very interesting story. It's a parable that Jesus told. It's a story of a guy who walks up to these people and says, listen, I'm going to give you some talents. To one guy, he gave like 10 talents, 15 talents. Another guy, he gave like eight talents. And 
And this guy over here, he only gave him like, you know, six or seven talents. And he said, here's the thing. I'm going to leave, and I want you to take what I've given you, and I want you to invest it. And so we're all like, cool. Because if you're like me, you'd be like, man, I want to find, find like the money investment. Like I want a major yield on my return. And so the Bible says one of the guys goes out and he invests what he has here. And this guy goes out and he invests what he has here. And he kind of just puts everything in here and he puts everything in here. But this guy over here, he gets really smart. He goes over and he says, hey, I got an idea. I don't want to lose what I have. So I'm going to take what's been given to me and I'm going to go dig a hole in my backyard and I'm going to put it in this little bag and I'm going to bury it in the ground. The Bible says that the guy comes back to the three guys that he gave talents to 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 invest. And he saw this guy's and he went, wow, man. Like I gave you 10 talents and and you like made 12 out of that. And man, I gave you like eight talents and, and you got like 12 talents now. Like that's awesome, man. That's really good. You invested it. You did something with it. But this guy over here, He went and shoveled it out of his backyard. He pulls it up out of a bag, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, Hey, you wicked and lazy servant. That's that's what Jesus said. That's not what Sean said. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. He said, You wicked and lazy servant. You weren't even willing to gamble on me. Can you imagine all that God's given us? All the resources, all the opportunities, all the influence, our time, our talent, our treasure. I mean, every single bit of it. He's given it all to us, and he's standing here going, do you really believe that if you take all this and you shove this across the table and you fully go all in, that I'm able to supply your need? So some of you are like, yeah, if you knew you had the winning hand. Well, let's look at that real quick. See, uh, see what we got here today. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe I should get some more jokers and get rid of this ace and this ten. Because I don't know. I mean, if I lay this hand down, I'm not really sure. I mean, what if I don't win? Guys, listen. God has given us the winning hand. It's not like we're playing with a bunch of jokers. It's not like you got all twos. We're holding a royal flush. And he's saying, I'm all in, Jesus. So, how many of you guys feel bad for the rich young ruler? Raise your hand. Be honest. Jesus is harsh. I mean, come on, Jesus. You're... Slow down a little bit here, man. Like, get him, get him started a little bit. Like, go kind of incremental. Say like, hey, rich young ruler, I want you to give 2% here. I want you to mess up your hair because you're too beautiful. And I want you to un, uh, un, uninvite four people on LinkedIn. <laughs> Jesus didn't do that. Jesus walked right up to him. And he went for the juggler. Why? 
Because Jesus didn't want anything from him. Jesus wanted something for him. You see, he loved the rich young ruler too much to ask for anything less. He loved him too much to ask him for too little. And we live, we said this four weeks ago, we live in a world that lives halfway in. Jesus looked at him and he says, sell everything. Now at this point in the story is when everyone goes, wait a minute, Jesus. Don't ask this guy for too much. I mean, he'll leave our synagogue and we won't be able to build a new synagogue because he's rich and he's young. And he's, Jesus, don't force his hand because if you say this to him, he will leave and four of his friends will leave with him. Jesus didn't care. Jesus never wants to ask him to make a decision. Jesus never once said, hey, come forward and sign a card. Jesus said, You want to know what it's all about? Go all in. And everyone's like, here's the problem with that. We gasp at the wrong time in the story. Awkward. Jesus looked at him and said, sell everything you have. And instead of gasping there, we forget what Jesus invited him to do. We focus on what Jesus asked him to give up, but we fail to consider what he offered him in exchange. He said, sell everything you have and follow me. (gasps) Do you hear what Jesus just invited him to do? That's what God wants from us, to follow him. Can I tell you, our generosity will look radically different when we're following him. It just will. We don't sit around and worry about pocket change. We're more obsessed with life change. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Jesus invited the rich young ruler to follow him. And that's the point in the story where we should just gasp for air. You see, the real test of generosity is this. When you know what God has called you to do, what do you do with it? Because in this moment, we learn something about this. That if generosity is about lordship and not about financial matters that we must understand that lordship is an all-in kind of thing. It's an all-in kind of thing. Who owns you? What owns you? I would rather be owned by Jesus than be owned by the stock market. I would rather be owned by Jesus than be owned by my bank account. It doesn't matter how much I have or how much I don't have. It's not about the amount. It's about the manner in which we choose to go all-in. And I love that in this story. It's an all-in kind of thing. You see, I believe this. The more you give away, the more you'll enjoy what you keep. I just do. I began tithing as a 17-year-old boy. Parents didn't go to church. 
made no sense at all, had very little money. To me, it was never about the money. It was about lordship. Who owns me? Not what owns me, but who owns me? And I began to give in such a manner. And here's what, here's what I learned. The 10% I gave and the 90% I kept, I enjoyed the 10% more because I gave it away and I trusted God. You say, I don't believe you. Just try it. I mean, you'll discover that God can do more with the 90% you keep than you can with the 100% you keep. You say, how do you know that? Well, let me tell you a story real quick. About five years ago, we had one of those years. You know what one of those years are, right? You go through the year and you look back and you said, wow, we had like five surgeries, four trips to the emergency room. And, And you look back on one of those years and you go, wow, we got like, we owe somebody some money. And at the end of the year, we realized that we had paid over $9,000 in doctor bills that year. $9,000. And here's what's crazy. The way we knew it was we got to the end of the year and realized it. And here's the part we couldn't understand. Where did the money come from? We don't know. A little from here, a little from here, a little from here. Here's what God did. We just gave. We were generous we, we just gave ourselves away to what God called us to do, and we didn't worry about everything else. We, we just paid the bills as they, we just went, $9,000. You say, well, you're just good at keeping books. No, I'm not. God is good at meeting the need. God is good at meeting the need. I still don't know how we did that. I know how God did it, $1 at a time. Generosity is not about financial matters. It's about lordship. Who owns me? It's kind of like this. If we're going to go all in, there's something that we must let go of. I heard this story a couple years ago, and it's a story of a, a group of trappers in the country of Borneo. These trappers would go and they would hunt monkeys And they would basically put a stake in the ground and they would tie a piece of rope to a plank of wood. And at the end of the plank of wood, they would bore a hole out of the wood plank and they would put it in the ground and then they would dig a hole in the ground and they would drop these seeds inside the hole that these monkeys absolutely love. And so the monkeys would come along and they would see the seeds and they would get excited and they would stick their hand down into this board and they would clench their fist to grab a hold of the seed and then they would pull it up like this and they were caught. The trappers would come and they would take the monkeys away. And what's crazy is they said very few monkeys would ever let go of the seed to get their hand out of the trap. Oh, you silly monkey. I mean, you silly monkey. What a stupid monkey. I mean, come on. How ignorant you got to be. Let go of the seed. <laughs> Pull your hand out. I think we got a picture on the screen. I mean, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, l- when you see that picture, the, the whole idea is the monkey's so consumed about what he's got a hold of, he can't let go of it and he can't be free of it. Stupid monkey. We do the same thing. We stick our hand into this culture and we say, man, I'm just going to hold on. I mean, 
honey, we, 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 may, we, we may never get this opportunity again financially. <laughs> in order to go in, there's something we've got to let go of. So as Paul Harvey used to say on the radio, I want to give you the rest of the story. Go back to Mark 10, verse 26. Here's what Jesus says about letting go. The disciples were even more amazed. Now remember, they saw everything that had happened. They saw this guy. They saw Jesus say, give it all, trust me, because until I have all of it, I really don't have any of it, so trust me in it. And they saw the guy walk away sad. So they get confused. They would ask the question that you and I would ask. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. Verse 28. Then Peter spoke up. Okay, this is a Peter moment. This is the moment when Peter opens his big mouth and says something really big that nobody else is willing to say. Why? Because Peter was all in. And he looks and he says, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. Exclamation point. Jesus, we've sold out to you. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who's left his home or brothers or sisters or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for me and the gospel will fail to receive hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. What did Jesus just say? Jesus said, when you go all in in generosity, he's able to supply it back to you a hundred times. Oh, when you let go of it, look what happens. Jesus gets involved and he says, hey, you trust me in this. See, here's the problem. We have a backwards, upside down economy that's not God's economy. Because here's what we think. If we hold on to it, somehow we will do better at managing it than God will. Our time, our talent, and our treasure But I want to tell you what Jesus tells us from this scripture. You ultimately lose whatever you keep, and you ultimately keep whatever you lose for the cause of Christ. I'll give you a personal illustration. When I graduated from high school and started college, beginning of my sophomore year, I moved away from home to go serve at a church. 20 years of age, I packed everything in my car, and I left. I haven't lived near my parents since I was 20 years of age. It's not that I didn't love them. I loved them. I loved my family. I'm the youngest of five children. I'm the only one that doesn't live in the same city where my parents lived. And I walked away, and I knew that God had called me. I knew that God had told me that, Sean, if you're willing to sell out and do this, like, you, you can just count on me. And so we moved away. Closest I've ever lived to my family is three hours. And I've lived as many as 22 hours away. But here's what I believe. I believe God will give it back to us. Why? Because I pushed all my chips across the table and I said, Jesus, I'm all in. 
I don't own my life. You are the Lord of my life. Jesus said you will ultimately lose whatever you try to keep and you will ultimately keep whatever you lose for the sake of Christ. I love that. So I ask you the question today, what's your price? Where's your threshold? It's probably the wrong question. Jesus would say, what's the payoff? What are you willing to risk and slide across the table and trust me in and let me do exceedingly abundantly more than you dreamed or can imagine? I sit here today in South Atlanta and I am rich. You sit here today in this church and we are rich. We are blessed by God to be a blessing. And the world is looking at us, and here's the question they're going to ask. Why would you keep your hand in the trap? Let it go. Let it go. You see, the truth is, you can tell me you're all in, but let me see your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll tell you if you're all in. Oops, I'm sorry, did I offend you? My heart's not to offend you. My heart is to free you. Listen, God wants to free our church of greed. I thought God wanted to free our church of debt. No, God's not worried about our debt. He's worried about our greed. He's worried about what we're holding on to. He doesn't need our money. He wants our lives. And he's waiting for us to come to the place of surrender that says to the world, hey, they're all in. They're all in. Father in heaven, thank you today for the word of God that constantly reminds us that when you call us to go all in, Lord, you're able not only to supply our needs, God, you can do exceedingly, abundantly more than what we can with the resources we have. And so, God, many of us, myself included, at times we have been confused by our ability to go in because we have so much. Lord, this message is really not about money. Lord, it's about surrender. I mean, the rich young ruler could have easily been someone who thought that their place in society was the most important thing. Lord, all I know is that whatever we hold on to the most that we can't let go of, Lord, that's the place you want us to surrender. And I pray for us, I pray for our church today, that God, we will become more radically generous than we've ever become before. I mean, yes, Lord, there's needs, there's things, but Lord, that's not the most important thing. God, I've prayed for four weeks that you would change hearts that you would change people's lives when they learn to give themselves away, not expecting anything in return. Because God, that's what you did. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, listen, you may be sitting in this room today. You may be sitting here and thinking, man, 
That is a radical commitment that Jesus called him to. You're exactly right. Jesus said, I want you to free yourself of whatever keeps you from me, and I want you to follow me. But I want to tell you today, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, some of you are here today and you have never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. You have never, ever fully surrendered to him. And you say, well, aren't you asking for money? No, I'm not asking for money. Jesus wants your heart. He wants your life. And I want to tell you today that in this place, there are some of you, there are many of you, you've never crossed that line of faith. You've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. And until he has your heart, nothing else matters. He loves you that much. So if you're here today and you've never crossed that line of faith, you've never fully trusted in Jesus as the Savior and the Lord of your life, would you pray this prayer with me here today? Just between you and God, just say, Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you that you love me, that you came and you died for me on a cross, and that you rose again on the third day. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, come into my life so that I can live all in. And today, Jesus, I surrender to you my life. In your name I pray, amen.